complete. There are places, uh, there are things in the Bible that had I been in charge of, uh, of editing it, I would have left out. Uh, and we're in one of those sections now that has some very difficult things that sometimes you, you find yourself trying to explain them and end up trying to explain them away because they make you uncomfortable. So I'm going to try really hard not to do the latter. But if you catch me, let me know. All right. Um, following a theme, chapter 12 of Luke, uh, verse 35. That's where we are. Be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It'll be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. All right, I'm gonna stop and give you a context for this. When I was um, growing up, this was always taught about the end of time. I don't think this is about the end of time. I think this is about uh, the moments that hit our life where we are given the opportunity to serve God. Uh, we're given the opportunity to respond in a way that will, um, will serve the purposes of the master. And so we always have to be ready for this. And, and I certainly have been caught on a wrong foot, been caught with the wrong attitude. Um, on the wrong day when I'm heading this direction and it looks like God's showing up over in this direction, um, very inconvenient of him, but he tends to do that anyway. So I want you to put it in that mindset as we go through so that we, if we don't watch out, we delay all of this being prepared and we encapsulate that over here for when the end of time comes. And, and I'm, I'm just not sure that's what he's talking about. And I, I think we can see that later. All right, moving on. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. We'll have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. The Son of Man will come at an hour. Um, I can always remember the little comforting thing I used to say that was also a bit snarky, but it's amazing how often snark comforts me. Uh, people would say, do you think we're living in the last days? No, I don't. One of the reasons is because every year that I've been alive on the planet, people have been running around saying these are the last days. And after a while, when Lucy has pulled the football a certain number of times, it's really on Charlie Brown. It's his fault. It's not Lucy's. And whenever there are so many people saying, into the world, into the world, into the world, I, I want to pull back and say, that may not be what Jesus means. When Jesus enters a room, will you be prepared to be in that room? Um, a couple of weeks ago now, it, it's all a blur. I, I did a Monday morning encouragement talking about how we are not digital. We don't live in a digital universe where it's one or zero, no other options, on or off, no other uh, options. And I used a um, illustration of if I'm standing away a hundred feet from a wall and I go halfway there, then I go halfway there, 
how long will it take me to impact the wall? And the answer is you'll never impact the wall because the universe is analog. There's always another area there. Now, why I'm, I'm bringing that up, I've gotten some letters, uh, well, emails. Who, who writes letters? I've gotten emails from very troubled hearts. Um, and they say they don't know how to respond to some of the things they're seeing on the news. I get that. I actually stopped news, I think, three days ago now. I, I just need to take, take, take some time away. Uh, it, it was emotionally too rough about things I couldn't fix. I and mean, if you're showing me something in Philadelphia, there's not much I can do about this. So moving on, the lady asked me, well, why when people say black lives matters and I say all lives matters, do they get angry because all lives matter? And my response to her is, well, first of all, understand that when you say black lives matters, some people will hear politics. Some people will hear a movement. Some people will think what? You're not in charge of what they think. But here's why when somebody says Black Lives Matters to me, I say, yes, they do. And I don't, I don't go further. I don't say all lives matters, white, blue lives matters. Or, and here's why. I've, as, as a person who at least some of his life is a pastor, I've, I've watched a lot of people die and a lot of people deal with grief, a um, whole lot more of the latter than the former. And let's say a, a woman has just lost a child to leukemia. And she says, it's wrong that babies die. And I look at her and I say, you know, it's wrong that anybody dies. Do you understand how that would hurt at that moment? Because we're talking about her baby. And by me saying, well, you know, we all die. That dilutes her grief and almost acts like her grief at that moment is no big deal. So while I'm not involved in any of the politics or the movement side of things, if somebody says Black Lives Matters to me, I say, yes, they do. Because that's true. And you can come back at me and say, all lives matter. Yeah, they do. But I think that Jesus wants to use that moment not to create an argument, but to um, acknowledge that you're here and you'll listen. Um, did you see the video before I stopped listening <laughs> and watching the news of the sheriff in Flint up north of uh, in Genesee County up uh, in Michigan? When his men met the marchers, um, he looked at him and says, what do you want from us? What can we do for you? And then before they even answered, he said, well, I want you to know something. We love you. And he started pointing at people saying, watch out. That guy will hug you, and I, which I always appreciate when that's pointed out. Uh, but he would talk, and then he says, what do you, they said, walk with us. He says, I'll walk with you. But more than this, because uh, we can say a sheriff is a politician, and I like, I, I think this guy was probably sincere. I don't like attributing bad motives without a reason. But I also watched them, and as they walked, he's law enforcement, he's energetic. He kept moving a little bit in front and would, would catch himself and stop and try to get the black marchers around him and in front of him saying, where are we going? I think that was an excellent, and he did that two or three times before they finally got it. No, I'm not trying to lead you. I'm trying to be with you. It took all of the, the anger out. Uh, and Flint has had a long history of anger for good reason, by the way, Flint, 
has been a mess. Um, people of all sides have messed it up. And uh, it, th this encouraged me. And there was another um, sheriff's department in Texas that when they heard people were going to march, they said, if you want to march, march. But we're going to be in this park over here, and we want to just do a cookout so we can talk to you. And you can talk to us. Do you see how I mean about being ready to be Jesus no matter what the moment is? No matter how uncomfortable it might be. Our tendency is to push back. Mine is. I'm a great pushbacker. And it is almost never correct. Uh, there has to be another room there. Is there room for Jesus in, in the argument? <clears throat> I usually spot that, by the way, uh, two or three days later. The problem is he didn't spot it at the moment. And I think that's what he's asking them to do because they're about to go into some really dark days. The, um, the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and then the ascension of Jesus. All of this, this is going to be very dark times for them. He's got to get them ready to be, have a son of man moment, regardless of the time. I also like the phrase that he used. <clears throat> By the way, the chat room's open if you want to click on that. Um, <clears throat> he doesn't say the son of God returns. He said the son of man. Jesus used that term on purpose. To us, it, it's become a religious title, but it wasn't to them. Son of man was just guy. This person who is one of you. This being who walks with you. He's, um, it's not going to be a dramatic moment. When he walks in, it may not seem like God's walked in. It may just seem like a guy's walked in, a woman's walked in. We got to find the Jesus moment if there's a Jesus moment to be found. Um, and I, anyway, I'm, I'm babbling on and on, but I hope this makes some sense to you. Um, if we don't personalize this, this all becomes an end of the world thing, and we were baptized, so we feel really good, and we keep rushing through. You see what I mean? But so, um, oh, here we go. <clears throat> I found that when you have a ditch and you're digging a hole, and you're really good at it, why not keep digging? Um, Jesus talks about, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. In Romans chapter 12, that same word is used for confess and profess because it's the same word. Your profession is what Jesus was asking for when he asked for confession. The way we live our lives is to show that we have a master, that we are under orders. So be ready. Be ready when it goes. I, I uh, if I'm being very honest, I, I don't have very many friends in this anymore. I just have a few. But um, I've had a lot of friends over the years that were in special operations groups, although that term was not used for all of them. And they always had a go bag in the boot to the car, the trunk of the car. Um, you call it a trunk. A trunk is a front appendage of an elephant. This is the back appendage of a vehicle. Just say it. Anyway, uh, the go bag, I, you know, they told me it was food, ammo, weapons, papers. I, I didn't go through any of them. Oh, a med medical kit. 
uh, medic kit. But it was because no matter where they were, they were under orders and they could be having a two week vacation. But if they get the call, they got to go. They got to be ready. And I've often thought of that thinking, well, that's kind of what we're supposed to be and do, I think. Always under orders. I'm looking over. Remember that Luke 11 ended with the woes to the Pharisees and experts of the law. I always like it when you bring up the context, really, because I need that too. Luke 12 began with Jesus pointing out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Is it possible that the rest of Luke is still within that context? Perhaps he hasn't left that context. He's talking about what they can and should expect. I think we're I think you're correct. We're still in that warning phase. Now there there might be might be a shift in 41, but I'm not sure that there is. So let's hold on to that. Um, I would like Trace if you if you could unfold that a bit and let me know um, more of what you're looking for in your own time. Uh, that would help me. It, there, there's certainly there's certainly room for hypocrisy if we consider ourselves as a baptized believer who are part of the one true church. Uh, and so we're ready at, for the end of the world. Therefore, we have no immediate obligation to look for the Son of Man in every moment. Patrick, I'm suggesting here that these are difficult texts. What, what you started out saying is true. The, these, some of these, what we're about to get into and wade into is, is difficult stuff. However, if it is addressing the context of his conflict with the Pharisees and their hypocrisy, all of a sudden I think it's not so difficult anymore to understand what he's about to say. That's what I'm suggesting. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm not gonna agree or disagree. I'm gonna to try to uh, listen and absorb right now and then go through this because that's, that's a, certainly a valid perspective. Peter interrupts here. Who would have thought Peter would be the one to interrupt? Verse 41, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? Now, sadly, we don't have specific pronouns so that we can listen, see the word us, and know if Peter was talking about the apostles, little wider disciples, or religious people. I am... Um, I think he's talking to religious people because he responds in general terms. Um, but just remember that the, the pronouns are not really specific. And by the way, there are languages that have a lot more pronouns than we do, and they are very specific. Uh, you know exactly who they're talking to. This isn't one of those times. The Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them, oh, this is important to give them their food allowance at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whom, now which servant? The manager over other servants. It'll be good for him whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Doing what? Taking charge, giving them their food allowance at the proper time. In other words, caring for the people around you. Very Matthew 25-ish here. And there we go. Truly, I tell you, he'll put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master's taking a long time in coming, and then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of the servant will come on a day 
when he does not expect him, at an hour when he's not aware of, and he'll cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. We have now a, a middle management layer um, inserted, and we need to talk about that for a bit. Uh, anybody grow up with some of the stories of Robin Hood and his merry men? And so you know about this, you know, you know the Sheriff of Nottingham. This is that situation, actually, writ large in, in the um, early medieval years. The, uh, and, and by the way, Robin Hood might have been a real person, but it, you know, we don't have much in the way of history. The Sheriff of Nottingham was a bad guy, um, and King Richard did leave bad people in charge of things because they were of the right class. I got to tell you, um, classism is a real killer. Um, but Sheriff, Nottingham, uh, Sheriff of Nottingham, instead of treating his people correctly, actually did starve them to death because they weren't the right people. You're not allowed to hunt. Only the rich could hunt. It's pretty much the same way it is today in Britain. Not pretty much. It is. Um, it, you know, he'd tax them. He, you, you know the story. And then King Richard eventually comes back and oh boy, yeah, there's a real reckoning going on. That's very much the story. Can I, um, can I leap into pure speculation here uh, and then come back? But everybody needs to circle this part on the tape saying speculation happens. We used to think that Earth was unique. Um, when you look at our size, our water, our position from a heat source, it's all perfect for life. And we thought, we're the only one. It, now it is truly, I'm going to say proven, there are trillions of planets just like us out there. And more are being made all the time in places that are star factories. And there are many star factories out there. It is, space is a lot bigger than it used to be when I was the boy. Space is a lot bigger. I often wonder what Jesus meant when he said, you've been faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over many. Does it have anything to do with other planets and, and galaxies? I have zero idea. But whenever my atheist friends, as they always have, will say, why only Earth in this little backwoods corner of the universe? Because we really are. Why that one? And what's the waste of all the rest? I've always said, I don't think it's wasted. And they'll say, then why is it there? And I'll say, I don't know. I think something's going on. It'll, it'll, it'll be interested one day to, to find that out, won't it? But I, I don't think God just made them all. To, I've had people say they made them all so that we could see and think they're beautiful. You can't see 99% of them. They're too far away. Other stuff must be going on. Um, I don't know. All right, let's get back to us. I don't like that. He'll cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. That's, that's ugly. Verse 47. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, 
much more will be asked. We got a lot of stuff here. Um, Ezekiel 33 comes to mind, the watchman on the wall. You guys know the story there. The watchman on the wall, if he warns about those that are coming in uh, and the people don't listen, the people will die, but the watchman did his job. And so, you know, he did his job. But if he warns and the people are, they, they don't, I, I, I'm, let me do this right. If he sees and he doesn't warn, they will die, but the blood will be on his hands. That watchman on the wall, you got a job to do whether people listen or not. I'm just making sure it's 33. Um, and my Ezekiel, yep, yeah, Ezekiel 33, the, the first 20 verses of that chapter, the watchman on the wall. Our job is to speak of our Father's will, to live of our Father's will. Um, but did you see something here? Hell is not a one-size-fits-all. And I've got a lot of beliefs on hell that um, I hope I get to share one day. Um, I do not believe in the medieval version of, you know, you messed you miss something up, so you're going to burn for eternity, and eight trillion years from now, you're still going to be punished. That does not match with Jesus, and it matches a whole lot more with Greek thought and philosophy that was adopted by the Catholic churches later. But I'll stop there. But even there, it does look like the punishment's going to differ, doesn't it? It does look like there's shades here. I truly just say, whatever you think about hell, trust God to do the right thing. Just trust him. Read a lot about Jesus. Realize that's what God looks like, acts like, talks like, and just trust him. Um, but it's not going to be the same for everybody. I don't, I don't think heaven's going to be the same for everybody. I think God indicates that you're faithful over a few things, and you're faithful over many things, you, that um, it's, it's really according to what you send ahead, what you invested. Um, my wife listened to Dave Ramsey quite a bit. Uh, his, I, I guess his stuff's really good. Uh, I don't pay that much attention to it because I got other stuff to do. But I do like one phrase I hear, and that is if you want to eat corn, you have to plant corn. So it's what are you planning to have when it comes? But I immediately spiritualize it. Where are your treasures? Where are you investing? Um, in, in life and in righteousness and goodness, uh, that whole end of Acts chapter 2 thing or that end of uh, Matthew 25 thing. Um, but God says there's a reckoning. And who is this to? This is to the middle managers. Have you noticed that? It's not to the common person. It's to, and so by middle managers, I'm meaning people like us and the clergy. Because we're supposed to know stuff. And we're supposed to be working for Jesus. And we're supposed to be directing the people. What if we're not feeding them properly? What if we're not caring for them properly or loving them? There will be a day of reckoning. As you've heard me say many times, and I do try to bring it up every so often so people know, I got it from Rick Ashley. I don't know how long ago. Uh, he and I are good friends, and we, we make sure we get together from time to time. Uh, but he said, we got to remember we have the only job where God wrote a warning label and stuck it on that job. Yeah. 
we do. And um, you better believe that keeps me up at night. There's, um, there's a Spider-Man line in here. Did you catch the Spider-Man line? In verse 48. Do you remember when he is told with great power comes great responsibility? That's scripture. If you've been given much, much will be demanded. From the one who's been entrusted, much, much more will be asked. Uh, so judgment is not a one-size-fits-all, is it? Um, I think we need to remember that. Now there's, we're about to get into a really, really rough one here. So before we leap into there, anybody want to tie a bow on this or expand, extend the conversation? Oh, you're staying safe, are you? Topper, do the birds have anything they'd like to say? <laughs> we, we, uh, we had a parrot for a long time and rescued parrots, and so we would have more than one bird in the house. And I got to tell you something. If you have a Quaker parrot in your house, they always have a comment to make. It, it is hilarious, absolutely hilarious. We were down in old San Juan, Puerto Rico last summer, and um, they have wild flocks of Quaker parrots down there. And every tree was an argument. It was hilarious. We, Cammy and I would go search out the trees and sit and read under them because we miss our parrots. But it's like, we called it Quaker cursing because they would just walk through the room. What happened to you? Anyway, here we go. This is not part of the Jesus holding a lamb pictures. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Jesus was also a man under orders, although he was fully deity as well. I get that. And you never thought that if Jesus wasn't under orders, here he's indicating he wished there were some things he'd like to do. But that's not the plan. That's kind of stunning if you think about it. Um, I've, I've told myself, but I don't say this to other people because it just makes confusion. But you, we trust each other. This will go nowhere. Um, people will say, well, why didn't God do this? Or why did God do that? And they're talking about modern things, not in Scripture. And in my head, I hear, he might have wanted to, but it's not the plan. The Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son, they have a plan. And that plan, you know, there are things God cannot do. God cannot be unrighteous. God cannot lie, the scripture says. God cannot break his promise. He, they have hemmed themselves in with the plan. Will they ever give up on humanity? Nope. Why? That's not the plan. That's um, just at least file that away in your head. Work with it some. He says, I don't, I want to do stuff, but I've got something to do. Anybody else feel that way? I mean, don't we all? 
you know, there are times I'd like just to sit and read, but I've got to mow the lawn. Let's just do something really, right? Um, it is so hard to learn the difference between the urgent and the important. And I've often thought the urgent yells a lot louder than the important. And we have to keep our ears open for the important. For example, I'm going to stick with the prosaic right, right down on the mundane. Mowing the lawn, but your daughter needs to talk because her heart is broken. Urgent, important, right? Um, I believe that weighing the, the urgent and the important is one of the hardest things I do every day. There are, there are claims on our time. He had a job to do and he was focused on it. In fact, you remember when Peter said, no, 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 no. We're not going to let them do that to you. What did Jesus say to Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. And then he even made it a little rougher. He said, Peter, three times the devil's asked for you, and I've said no. Left unsaid there is, I don't have to say no the fourth time. You know, it's, it's just, oof. I don't want Jesus to ever call me Satan, by the way, not even in a lesson format. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. Now, you can yell, contradiction, contradiction. He's called king of peace. Uh, he calls us to be peacemakers. What in the world is he doing? Peacemaking is not popular. especially if they're making peace with your enemy. If someone else makes peace with your enemy, it's not popular. And truth is not popular. As Isaiah put it, truth has fallen in the street and there's no one to help it. Think of Diotrephes who walked around ancient Greece with a lantern during the daylight. And of course, people would ask you, why do you have a lantern? And he say, I'm looking for an honest man. Um, we have, um, is that Diotrephes? Or is that the guy with the sword? No, yes, that's Diotrephes. Guy with the sword was Damocles, right? They really should have chosen better, easier to remember names. Um, in my family, religion divided us. What about yours? Uh, we talk about politics dividing, but politics and religion are sometimes just like that. You know, it's just, it's hard to decouple. Um, yeah, my mom's people were Methodist. Kind of not all that rare for Irish folk, by the way. Uh, Methodism took a little hold there. Uh, they, um, in America, were farmers and such, and my, my dad meets my mom, they're married, and my dad spends the next 60 plus years telling my mom that her parents are in hell because they were Methodist. Um, if we don't watch out, you know, we, we can get that way. I remember listening to a Baptist guy, he didn't know I was Church of Christ guy, and he was just talking to other Baptist guys, and I happened to be in the area, and he said he'd finally gotten to the point, and he was kidding, he was kidding. He said, it's finally gotten to the point where I think the Catholics might have a shot. <laughs> I go, okay, all right. Um, 
I, I will confess to you that I've, I've lived my life sometimes in reaction rather than purpose planned action. And that may be why I'm a hopeful universalist that God will save us all. Because most of my, my early life, I'm too old now to say most of my life anymore. My early life, I thought God would only save a few out of our tribe. But that's not the God we have here. And yet whenever I bring that up, it causes some of my family to attack me viciously via email, online, social media, that I would dare suggest that somebody else could be saved. Well, Patrick, uh, yes. if, you, if you don't mind, I, I got just a thought on this. Um, Jesus obviously was in a very contentious situation with the religious order of the day. The, the woes to the Pharisees at the end of Luke 11, his dire warning to, to guard against the hypocrisy of the Pharisees that he points out at the beginning of chapter 12. And as he sets the context for, for the rest of this very difficult uh, stories and texts that he's writing out here. Um, and, uh, it, you know, they were treating people, but part of the problem here was that they were treating people so poorly and they were doing it in the name of God. Yeah. They were using God's name as a justification to, uh, behave very badly, uh, and, and to set themselves up as privileged as, as having authority and so forth, uh, that they really didn't have, and they became exclusivists, and they became abusive and, and persecuting towards different populations of people. Well, Jesus comes along and says, well, that's, sorry, that's, that's not God. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's not who I am. I am from God. And he confronts that uh, social order. And, and so you see here, you know, these dire warnings about what this is going to look like. This is going to tear families apart. This is going to be a very, very difficult discussion for those who are going to follow me versus those who are going to continue to uh, abuse their positions of power, the, the middlemen that you're talking, that you were just talking about a few moments ago. Uh, and so, uh, it, it it speaks to us in very uncomfortable ways, but it does make us examine where we stand. You know, are we are we with Christ or um, are we not? Uh, and, and it's a very uncomfortable discussion. Uh, and unfortunately, yes, you're right. Brother against brother, sister against sister. Uh, in the midst of that context, it's a very difficult conversation. It, it really is. And, and we can pile on here. Um, I went to a couple of the vigils this last week, um, and they were all peaceful. Um, could not have been kinder people as a rule. You know, um, no, certainly I never felt threatened. Um, yet I know some of my, my friends are looking at this and going, you know, what's happening to our country? you know, uh, with the looting and the rioting and such. Remember who Jesus is talking to. They don't know it yet, but their entire world is going to go away. Jerusalem is going to be leveled. The temple will be destroyed. Their religion will be shut down. 
because in that space of time, the family records were lost, burned, destroyed, and people were scattered. You cannot reinstitute the Old Testament worship today because there's not a Jew alive who can tell you what tribe they're a member of. Those things were lost. That's heartbreaking in the extreme to a Jew. I, I just, I don't even know what to say. Except I don't say anything. I learned from the book of Job. Don't say anything. <laughs> Sit there with them quietly. Um, oh my goodness. And then their culture is gone. Their music is gone. Their, their, their books are taken away and kept safe. Yes, that's a good thing. But then after all of this, instead of healing, what happens? A family fight. For the first I'm going to make up a number, if it's okay, because I'd, I'd have to round them off anyway. For about the first hundred years, Christians were looked upon as a member of the Jewish people, even if they were Gentile. And remember that long argument in the scripture about, well, how Jewish do they have to be? You know, circumcision and the like. The Jews were the first, do not read any weight into that, the first to go to Rome and say, listen, these guys aren't Jews because the, the Rome was coming against the Christians and they didn't want them to come against the Jews as well. Christians did not behave themselves admirably in any stretch of the word toward the Jews. So it's not like the Jews started it, but that's our first record of them saying, we're not the same here. The Christians immediately said, no, we're not, and then went against the Jews. It was a family fight that lasted a very long time, well over a thousand years. And, and you can make an argument, some people are still waging it today. Um, so is the warning here correct? Oh yeah, families are gonna split. You have no idea what's coming, he would say. There is um, not in, in uh, Luke, it only exists in Matthew. Well, Matthew's the most Jewish of the Gospels. He's the one that um, uh, goes to the, the Christians, or, yeah, goes to the leaders, rather, of the day and says, oh boy, it is coming big. And if you think this is a, a rough passage, you need to read Matthew 23 and 24, particularly chapter 24, when he just unloads on the religious people and warns them, there's a day coming, you don't get to go get your go bag, basically. It says, if you're in the field, run. You can't go back into town. If you're on the road, you have to leave your family. They, they didn't quite understand that he really meant it. This was all going to disintegrate. Now, I, I wanna circle back and just say, I'm not saying our society is going to, no, no. What I am saying is, He's told us what our duty is if it's going to disintegrate. We are the middle managers who are to treat his people well. What does that look like? Matthew 25, uh, the end of Acts chapter 2, selling your things, having all things in common, making sure we're all all right. It is caring and loving for each other. That's your job even if and especially when your society collapses. Um, I don't think our society has collapsed. I don't think it will collapse. Please do not read too much into this, but read everything into my saying that no matter what happens, we are here to manage 
the gifts God's given us, the information God's given us for his good. Something which I love in the Old Testament, which I'm not really sure why it doesn't show up more in the New Testament. Um, people will start to do something like Joseph. Um, and he didn't even start. When Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, and here you are, a guy, handsome dude, ripped away from your home. You've been in jail, you know, you've been you've been a slave. Now there's this woman who's coming on to you. Uh, in the painting, she's always really pretty. <laughs> we have no idea. And he goes, How can I do this against my God? In the Old Testament, they were really concerned about not harming God's reputation. You, you find it on and on. I don't want to. I don't want to leave a bad taste in anybody's mouth about God. So I better not do that. I better do this. So I'll do this in the name of God instead. Um, I saw a very bizarre video uh, making its rounds on Twitter and Facebook. I'm sure it's on Instagram as well. <clears throat> and this this happened after I came back to the states because it it, the, it was dated 1987. Evidently, Oprah had a um, a meeting, and as everybody in the room I could see was white. And I don't know the backstory, but it was some county in Georgia where the people were trying to keep it all white, and they were arguing. And this is 1987. This isn't 27. So that was the first shocker. Uh, I, I truly, I, I got so uncomfortable watching it um, because white people would stand up, church people, and say, this is what God wants, and he doesn't want the races to mix because this is what they're, and, and it was just, oh, should we not be concerned about the reputation of God? Should we not be more concerned about the taste we leave in other people's mouths about God and church and religion. If you look during the years of slavery, there were always preachers willing to stand up to defend it. Now, to be honest, there, was, there were those that preached against it as well. But please remember, there's not a sin on the planet. Somebody won't stand up and say, no, God's in favor of this. There are many people who praise abortion as, and saying God's in favor of it. There are religious denominations who are officially supporters of Planned Parenthood. I don't get that. I'm very much anti-abortion. Um, and so I, 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 I can't get this. But it doesn't surprise me. We need to know that wrestling out the truth is always going to divide us somehow. But once we're divided, what kind of people must we be toward the other? I can truly tell you right now that there are people who consider me their enemy, but there is nobody on earth that I consider my enemy. Not a one. I will not shame them. I will not name them. I will not debate them. Um, although they try. No, not going to do it. I'd um, I would like to find something here and... I, 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 took a, I took a real kicking from some folk this week, over the last two weeks, because I would not debate online social media. And I just, I won't. Well, then answer this. No, I won't. I don't see it helpful. 
you know, say, here's where I am, this is what I do, you know. And one of my favorite people on the planet, Barb and Dave, a uh, doctor who works in Harvard, Dr. Cassily, sent me this. I was struck today by the fact that Jesus would likely disappoint the crowds because he wouldn't be holding a sign in a protest, nor would he be running for office. It says so much that the literal savior of the world decided to spend his time primarily pouring into 12 people, but loving others he came into contact with in very tangible ways. You did good, Cassilis. I can't change the world, but I can love that person. I can't, um, in fact, there is, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not sure how I can use this. I'll, I'll use this and let you just percolate all you want. There was a discussion between an atheist and a black man about uh, not anything to do with atheism. I just want to let you know he's an atheist. And he's the one that recorded it. Happened uh, this week on how we can come together. And the black man there said, the races will never come together. Now, by the way, I would fight that whole concept of race, but I'm going to let the guy talk. The races will never come together because as long as one person disagrees, then they've not come together. And the black man was arguing, we need to come together one-on-one, -on -one, not trying to do the whole thing in one bite, but one-on-one. -on -one. And then when you meet the next person, that person. And when you meet the next person, that person. And I was reading that when Chelsea sent this to me. Um, it was like one of these God things hitting me. Just stay the course, love the people you're around, keep going to the vigils, meeting these people. Uh, I've gone out of my way to have lunch or uh, a meal, socially distant if I had to, with as many African-Americans as I could this last couple of weeks and saying, listen, I need to listen. And the fact is I do. I don't know what it's like to be a black person and look behind you and there's a cop car. I don't know. And I don't know what it's like, and therefore I gotta hear. Now, can I fix it? I can't fix the world, but what I can do is say, listen, um, you and I are good. What can I do to help you feel better? What can, how can I serve you? Who can I help, help you talk to? Or This is all gonna be done the hard way, and I feel the frustration that Jesus has. Because there's, there's a temptation to do it in one beau geste. But I think it's got to be the individual heart thing, and it's going to tear families apart. But this is this is not new. Um, I bet most of us here have experienced some of it, and we'll experience more. But I don't think we're done talking about this, but I do have a problem. Let me tell you my problem. Well, I have so many problems. <laughs> Lean back. Um, we don't know, but if the numbers that come out on Wednesday are good numbers, then we're going to be able to have a trial run next Sunday. Gary will send out a list. We're not going to let many people come, but we're trying to see if our precautions and the way we've set things up work. And if that works, and if the numbers the next Wednesday allow, then we might be getting together on the 21st. But again, all of this can change just like this if a number changes because we won't don't want to start and then people get sick you know we want to be very careful 
So I'm not giving you dates. I'm just saying this is where we are in the process. When we start meeting together, we won't have classes, not for weeks. And the reason is the shepherds and their wives and the staff are going to be running like crazy to fix everything and yet also have an online service. And so until we find what our new normal is, um, and that won't be terribly long, we're really thinking three, four or five weeks, classes will cease. And if we have to keep doing two services, the sermon will be 15 minutes each. I will allow you time to hear cheer. There, moving forward. Going through Job 15 minutes at a time is not gonna be workable. So my thought is then I will start a class where we go through that week much more in detail. Anybody wants to join that? That said, I'll still be preaching a 30 minute long sermon online on that subject. So, I mean, this is, this is a really interesting time to be alive, is it not? You know, we might have to switch the communion to the hard stuff. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm gonna get written up. People do not have a sense of humor. Um, that's why we bring our own communion. <laughs> uh, no, it isn't, no, it isn't. Just would you pray for the staff and the shepherds because we know the decisions we make are, are life-changing and we don't want them to be life-changing in the negative. So pray, we need wisdom, all right? We, we are just, we need wisdom. Um, I, uh, I got to listen to some really cool ministers today, by the way. Uh, Johnny Bond of a tiny church in Bastrop, Texas, taught one of the best sermons about waking up to his own racism that I've ever heard. Jonathan Stormont used to be, he was the guy that replaced Mike Cope uh, in Highland and Abilene. He's now in Pleasant, um, Pleasant Valley in Arkansas. Amazing sermon. Go out there and avail yourself of these and, and listen to these men and women who are pouring out their hearts. You're going to find God's at work on the planet. And God is trying to prick our hearts. He's trying to change us. And we all need change. Anything anybody want to say or do? All right. Love you. Look forward to when we, uh, we will be meeting next Sunday regardless. But I just wanted to give you a heads up. All right. Uh, I'm on here, Zoom. Uh, even if the numbers go bad, we'll be here for a long time. If they keep going good, we'll at least have next Sunday. All right. Love you guys. If you need me in the meantime, uh, please, please, please give Gary Schrader a No, no. Give me a call. And we'll cheer you back. Thank bye. you, Patrick. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Cheer